Welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Wonderman Thompson Technology. I'm Gemma Milne, and once a month, we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. It can sometimes feel like everyone is talking about AI, and it can feel like a minefield trying to work out what it is, what it does, how it does it, and what the tangible benefits or use cases actually are. In this month's episode of The Experience Makers, CEO of leading AI technology company Satalia, Daniel Hume, and Wonderman Thompson Commerce's Head of Innovation, Naji El Arifi, touch upon the findings from their new report, Adopt or Fail, Why Business Needs AI. Join us as we consider some of the major advantages of AI for business and help to define strategies to understand it, implement it, and deliver better experiences to consumers as a consequence. So really happy to have you both here with us today. We're going to be chatting all things AI, specifically um, built upon this report that you've got, Adopt or Fail, Why Businesses Need AI. Um, But before we kind of get into some of the findings of the report later on in the discussion, why don't we start by setting the scene? Tell me a little bit about what the report covers, who was surveyed, and maybe just a little bit of background on on why you did it in the first place. Daniel? So what we wanted to do is understand uh, the the perceptions of of business around uh, the use of AI, the impact that AI is is going to have on that business, and what they are going to be doing about embracing these types of technologies to ensure the success of their businesses. So we we surveyed surveyed many many people. I can't remember exactly how many now, but um, we got some great feedback, great insights. I'm really excited to to, to share on this, uh, this, this, this call. Brilliant. Naji, anything you want to add there in terms of this uh, this report and what was in it for you? Yeah, I mean, um, what was quite fun as well is the fact that we we did it in three different countries. So UK, US and China. Um, and just like Daniel said, we one of the things we wanted to look at was the comparison between consumers and businesses. So um, a lot of the, the report is based on how businesses feel about AI. And then we also did a lot of research. I think it's about 1,500 consumers that we ended up interviewing in total in those three countries. So uh, quite a fun, fun report, you know, because you get that angle of the business and the, the consumer side as well. So let's get to the bottom line then before we go into the detail. Um, let's consider the question that probably most people are, are tuning in here to find out what's AI, how does it work and why do business need it? Daniel, give us the bottom line. So, so there's a huge amount of uh, misunderstanding around uh, these technologies. I spent a lot of time trying to help people understand what the, uh, the different types of AI are. And there, there are probably three. Um, the, the first type of AI is, is really getting computers to, to mimic or do things that humans can do. So this is chatbots and um, avatars, things that look and behave like human beings. The second flavor of AI is, is being able to use machine learning, typically to find extremely complex insights from data. When We now can use these technologies to find incredibly um, interesting insights and to explain actually how those insights um, exist. And then finally, uh, and this is actually my favorite definition, which comes from the definition of intelligence, which is goal-directed adaptive systems. Ultimately, what we want to do is build systems that can adapt themselves in production, make decisions, learn about whether those decisions are good or bad, adapt themselves so that next time you're making better decisions. And, and actually, it's really important for businesses to understand and appreciate these different flavors so that they're embracing these technologies in the right way. So if we're thinking that AI is going to be the future, why don't we consider some of the the challenges for business when it comes to adopting some of these new technologies and capabilities? I'm sure that will have come up a lot in the research in terms of highlighting what those clear barriers to adoption are. Um, Daniel, let's, let's stick with you for a second here. I wonder if you could just introduce some of those barriers and why people tend to perhaps not be quite as excited or thinking it's the future that they might, uh, they might be different from yourself. 
Yeah, there are multiple uh, reasons why um, AI projects fail. Um, not too dissimilar, actually, to why traditional software development projects fail. There's, there's a, a lot of scaremongery around AI ethics, AI safety, but actually um, AI projects fail for the same reason why software projects fail, which is typically a, a misunderstanding about what technologies should be applied to what problems. There's a misinvestment in terms of how long it's going to take, how much money is, going, is required to actually get these systems making a real difference in business. Um, one of the biggest barriers is talent. You know, there's a huge battle around uh, talent for machine learning experts, machine learning operations, um, uh, op optimization experts to be able to essentially utilize these technologies, get them in production. Uh, they also fail because once you've got these people to build um, smart systems, who are then going to maintain it? Who are then going to support it? And then very often that's underinvested. So, so there's a, there's initially a misunderstanding of technology and the application of that technology. And the second one is is around is around talent. Uh, and I'm sure that that will come up later with some of the other findings that we've we've, we've seen in the uh, in, in the reports. I mean, it was it was found that you know even though 87 percent of business leaders believe AI has positively impacted their business, um, there is still that reticence to to invest. I mean, you're said there about lack of talent or perhaps lack of understanding or use of the right kind of um, technologies, but lack of investment is kind of a, a sort of reticence to even try why do you think that is um more so than perhaps doing it the wrong way or not having the right people to to get off the ground yeah i mean these are brand new technologies that can that can do things that, that, that traditionally um other technologies have never been able to do so i think what organizations are doing is they're looking to see what works before they invest in, in these applications and then very, very well will quickly um uh, adopt some of those um some of those solutions so I, th I think people are holding their breath a little bit um there are some great examples where companies have started to invest and seen a real um uh, impact that these technologies have uh, but because uh, these problems have typically never been solved before with these types of technologies. Uh, there, there's still um, some hesitation. Uh, and also, um, I should say that there's still a miss. Um, alignment between uh, the, the talent that the companies uh, are trying to uh, um, uh, employ and the types of problems that they need to solve. There is, there's definitely a misalignment there, and that comes out in the, in the report later on. There's obviously, for anyone who follows the technology press, um, there's quite a lot of negative press around AI. I mean, everything from built-in bias to companies saying they're using AI when when they're not really. It's more Excel sheets, but it's very good for marketing purposes to say that you are. Um, and of course, there's a lot of hype, a lot of snake oil um, in this space, as there is with many different kinds of technologies. Um, are there any other sort of things that businesses are perhaps worried about when it comes to um, approaching AI, considering how it's written about um, in the media. Naji, we'll go to you. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of serious implications that people feel that it's going to be having towards their workforces. So again, if we're looking at how business leaders feel about it, 51% of them, so just over half, actually are worried about the impact AI will have on their actual workforce itself. Um, and 77% actually anticipate that AI is going to eventually displace some or all of their human workforce. So they're already starting to be uh, thinking about how these implications are going to um, negatively impact their, their workforce, basically. So I think that's quite another interesting finding from the report as well. And I wonder if you could go a little bit into the sort of reality of where we are with AI, because I, I touched on that a little bit around 
Um, I think there's quite a lot of talk about AI. There's a lot of hype around AI. Um, and there's a lot of kind of claims of using AI when sometimes it's a sort of basic decision tree or something like that um, within the software. Given that we can't always see exactly um, where businesses are using AI, um, can, you know, according to the research, how long does it do you suggest that businesses have actually been using it? You know, how mature are some of these solutions, Naji? Well, from the questions that we've asked these these business leaders, it seems to be that the average was around uh, just over two and a half years that they'd been um, utilizing AI, which I think is quite a, a long time um, across all those six hundred odd um, people that we asked. So again. It seems to me that quite a lot of them understand that it's important and have already started to to dip their toe into the technology, shall we say. Yeah, and when you say dip your toe, I mean, using AI, do you mean trying it, doing small pilots, just, you know, going with a small partner and doing a trial? Or do you mean kind of a bit more full-blown actual integration into the products and, and technologies that are being used to actually run the business? I think it's completely varied. I don't know what you think, Daniel, but from from my perspective, it seems like quite a lot of companies understand that things like voice recognition utilizes AI. So if you've been starting to utilize something like an Alexa app or a um, Google Home app, then you've probably uh, understand that you've tried and tested AI all the way through to analytics. And um, I think some of the stuff that, that Dan's been working on with some of our clients around logistics. So there's a whole range, and I think business have actually been testing and trying out across that entire spectrum. Daniel, is anything you want to add on that one? That's right. I think if we look at, again, the, the three definitions, everything from chatbots, um, it's relatively straightforward to to get chatbots up and running. Now, to make them very good uh, requires a kind of different level of engagement, but, but utilising some of these technologies to replace some of the mundane tasks that humans do um, is, is relatively straightforward. The, the projects that take a little bit longer are when you're trying to extract, you know, complex insights from large amounts of data. Um, very often, those um, that's an art to that. Uh, but you know, Satalia has engaged on projects from fifty thousand pounds to several uh, million pounds, where we've um, completely overhauled um, the uh, supply chain or elements of the supply chain for companies like Tesco and, and DFS, where we've built. For example, last mile delivery solutions using AI, using lots of different technologies to make sure that we're able to fulfill the uh, customer promise. So I, I, we're seeing organizations not just dip their toe, but actually go um, uh, invest heavily into these technologies and, and really also reaping the rewards. Naji, you mentioned earlier on the report looks at both businesses and consumers and seeing perhaps the the, the similarities or the differences um, and, and just generally what both um, groups feel um, about AI. I wonder if you could just touch on, you know, consumers, do they care about AI or the use of AI in the businesses that they interact with? Yes, I mean, uh, again, for, from, from the data we've got, and just over half actually feel that, that AI has the um, the potential to improve their lives. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a f quite a few people who think very positive of the technology. Um, but I think if we were going to, you know, from the data that we've gathered, I think people care more about what it will get them, right? Whether or not something is utilizing AI as by the by, it's more about, is this giving me a better experience um, than what I had previously? So I think a lot of people sometimes get a bit too hung up on whether or not you know, what the technology is rather than what is it delivering to me? You know, is, is it able to be better than it was before? If not, then as a consumer, why would you care? And Daniel, from your perspective, from the consumer point, again, 
I, not kind of t- building a little bit on what Naji said there is when it's about caring about AI, it's what you're going to get back. But it, you know, thinking about the research as well, did you feel the understanding of AI was there from the consumer perspective? I think it comes down, going back to now, as you said, it comes down to outcomes. And I don't necessarily think that the consumers um, will, will necessarily care um, about the underlying technologies, but they, um, they, they they do seem to have uh, an understanding and appreciation about, about how these technologies can impact them. And again, just building on what Naji said, it used to be that technology was used to make things faster, cheaper, better. But what um, AI can allow, allow us to do is understand the hopes, the dreams, the desires, the things that consumers value beyond faster, better, cheaper, uh, things like nostalgia, community. Am I making the world better? Does this give me um, a badge value? Uh, we can start to understand those nuances of customer value, and then we can adapt the experience very rapidly to enhance that experience. So again, this is using very different flavors of AI, but we need to understand our consumers better and we can then tailor and customize that experience rapidly to make sure that they have a heightened experience of uh, the goods that they engage with. So going back to the the business and and I guess the business's understanding of AI or their understanding of the potential of AI, I mean, just looking at one of the figures in the report, which I think is really interesting, uh, 71% who have not yet implemented it would be more likely to use AI if they knew more about it and its use cases. I mean, I would argue there's there's lots out there already about how AI can, can improve business. And I wonder if you could comment a bit on this statistic or some of the others in the report in terms of what is it that it's telling us about businesses and AI and, and what does that mean in terms of moving forward for those of us that work in this space? So, so I, I think that, that um, AI can be applied to three parts of the business and, and each one of these parts requires a different level of understanding. So the first part is being able to understand customers' journeys, preferences, um, pricing, um, which requires one flavor of AI. Another type of AI um, uh, can be applied to the supply chain, making things more efficient, more effective, fulfilling on the customer promise. Uh, and then and then there's a, another application of AI, which is actually enabling workforces to operate more effectively. And, and what we've seen is, is a varying degree of understanding about, about how these technologies can improve those three parts of the business and also a different degree of adoption. Uh, at the moment, we're seeing AI primarily being used uh, where uh, where we can generate more revenues and we can significantly reduce costs. Uh, and we, we see a good level of understanding. I think that the 83% of business um, uh, lead leaders have a, a good, strong understanding about the application of these these technologies. What we want to now see more of is um, our case studies that uh, that, that yield um, uh, real, real benefit. Unfortunately, as I said, there is a misallocation, a misunderstanding of these technologies. So there is a lot of scaremongering, some skepticism, but those organizations that get it right are ultimately going to win. Uh, and actually, if you haven't started your AI journey yet, it doesn't matter. I think that you, you just have to make sure that you start out right. That we, We're seeing a lot of organizations um, uh, go on their AI journey um, in, in the wrong way and in creating tech debt and having to undo many of the decisions that they're, they're making. So I guess one insight, one piece of advice that we've um, we've seen is that if you even if you haven't started yet, don't worry. Just make sure that you start out on the right foot. Yeah, Nadia, I'd go to you then as well for a little bit about that in terms of what's what is this telling us about businesses and their understanding of AI, and, and maybe adding to Daniel's uh, point as well. What is it that either businesses do or those on your side that are trying to work with these technologies and implement them do in terms of upping this um, um, upping this kind of adoption or at least up, upping the understanding to get more of it off the ground. 
Well, I think straight away, one of the things we know is, right, is if you don't understand something, you're less likely to implement it, right? So I think it's not just true of AI, it's true of pretty much any technology you want to implement, right? So if a whole, from the data we've gotten, a whole load of people seems to be relatively comfortable with or understanding of the technology, but those who haven't, there seems to be a really high percentage of them who, who don't understand technology. So it makes sense that they're being a bit hesitant to try it because they're not really sure of how in the world it can be useful because... I mean, especially if you do just a few minutes of research, you realize that AI can be utilized across the entire customer journey. So there, there's so many places in which you can utilize technology. The question is, well, where do I go first? And I think this is why, just like Daniel said, there's so much work that should be done into the strategy side of it. You know, where should I go first? Where shall I point my, my attention at? first because otherwise you're just going to try and boil the ocean and try to do too much and just like daniel said you'll end up going in potentially in the wrong direction and have to undo a whole load of work so i think spending a lot of time on you know that whole idea of you know, measure twice cut once i think really applies very well here daniel did you want to add something there you looked looked like you did yeah i think i think one of the other things that we've seen from um, our experience but also what what is in the report is that there's there is a lot of investment and hope that by creating data, data lakes, by aggregating data and then put, putting analytics tools on top, that, that that gives you AI. And we've seen in other studies that actually this isn't necessarily the right approach. So, you know, our, our, uh, we advocate starting out with what frictions exist across your organization, across the supply chain, across the customer journey. And then l- let's look at what are the right technologies to apply to alleviate those frictions. Some of them will require a significant amount of investment. Some of them um, uh, actually less. Um, I, I do always caution uh, our clients with the concept of quick wins. Very often what you put in, you get out and, and a quick win tends to be an oxymoron. So uh, we do try to make sure that organizations do approach util- utilizing these technologies in, 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 a, in a sober way. So I want to I want to touch a little bit on the title of the report. Um, it's got quite a bold title: "Adopt or Fail: Why Business Needs AI." Um, so I wondered if you could comment: Is there anywhere you um, you see where using AI is almost a necessity for business? I mean, this idea of fail is obviously quite strong. It would be great to get your perspective from both of you on where you think AI absolutely must be used right now, or at least very soon in the future before there's a fail. Daniel, well. Going back to my my favorite definition of AI, which is goal-directed adaptive behavior, the the important word in that definition is adaptive. Companies now realize that without if they're not adapting to an ever-changing and rapidly changing world, they're going to they're going to lose out. They'll have competitors that will outpace them. And what AI, these types of technologies, allow you to do is to be able to adapt more quickly. Um, they also allow you to unlock the creative capacity of your workforce to allow them to innovate. And those innovations, again, enable your organizations to adapt more quickly. Uh, but ultimately, and in some respects, by definition, if you can adapt more quickly than your competitors, you're, you're, you're going to win. Uh, and, and this is we're at a pivot uh, in, in, in human history in some respects that those organizations that get there first are going to be very, very, very difficult to, um, to, uh, to, to, to beat. Uh, so again, um, it, we've seen companies embracing these technologies not necessarily in the right way. So go starting off on the wrong foot, even if you haven't started on your journey, it doesn't matter as long as you start out making sure that you're architecting yourself on adaptation. Najee, from your perspective, we'd love to hear um, what you think in terms of an area where AI might be a necessity now in order to prevent business from failing. I, from, from, from my opinion, I think the amount of data that, that companies are starting to collect now, 
There's just a mountain of it. And making good decisions off the back of it is going to get harder and harder. And I think one of the things that AI is going to be great at is going to be helping us make decisions more quickly um, and hopefully more accurately considering how much data we've got. So for me, I think that's that's one major thing. And again, that came actually out in the report where a lot of people saw it as something that's almost a necessity when it comes to reporting, when it comes to looking at the data in your analytics, AI is going to be extremely helpful at a better understanding of customers and being able to give them what they need. So let's move on to talking a little bit about, um, I guess, some of the solutions to some of the challenges that we've that we've highlighted, that the report highlights um, and in our discussion right now. So, you know, research identified understanding of, uh, of the technology or how to utilize it best and skills as being the two biggest barriers. Um, Daniel, I wonder if you could, you said you wanted to come back to skills particularly. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how we then start to overcome some of these these real barriers and these real challenges. Yeah, well, I, I'm, Nadji is in the same position as me. We, we we spend a lot of time educating senior leaders about what these technologies are and what types of teams they they should be building. We, what we've seen over the past five years is is companies getting excited about one type of AI, which is machine learning, and they've been hiring data scientists and unfortunately applying data scientists to solving decision problems. Again, going back to what Nadji said, companies typically don't have data science problems, they have decision problems. And decision-making is a completely different set of skills. It's a different field in computer science. And my my guess is over the next five, 10 years, companies are going to realize they need to be hiring for a different type of skill. Um, But if you, there's there's still a question about whether you can hire or not. And I often engage with companies and ask them, where are you on this matrix? And on the the horizontal, we have how sexy is your brand or your industry. And on the the vertical, we have how interesting or challenging are, are your problems. If you're not sexy and you don't have interest problems, you're not going to attract talent. The number of CEOs that, that we speak to that want to build out their own AI team but can't hire a single person because they're deficient in those in that dimension. If you're sexy, you've got interesting problems, you'll attract talent and they'll stick. And if you're in the other two quadrants, you'll attract talent and they'll leave after a few years. And that can be more dangerous to your, to your company than, than not being able to attract talent. So I think it's really important for organizations to understand where they are on that matrix so they can determine whether they build out their own teams or work with a third party or buy software off the shelf. Uh, and then what, once you've attracted talent some, some, somehow, you need to enable that talent to innovate and thrive, which, is, which comes back to organizational design. Most, most um, uh, talented people want to work in organizations that give them career development and actually also have a purpose. Daniel mentioned that you both spend a lot of time educating, particularly C-suite. I wonder if you give us some insight um, around what sort of conversations you're also having in terms of getting this understanding and and getting across the the point around improving skills or improving general understanding of how software and therefore AI is built when you're in these kind of discussions. I think a lot of the time it's actually based on kind of saying to to these teams that you need to be thinking more long-term in your strategy. That's one of the things we talk about quite a lot. And I think if you if you can think long-term enough, you can start to put the, the plan in place now to have an effective strategy in the future. I think sometimes, especially from some of the research we've gotten in the past, a lot of companies maybe look 50 months or so into the future when it comes to their commerce strategies particularly. And it's just not really far enough. I mean, if you consider Amazon, for example, to be one of your competitors, I mean, they're thinking 10, 15 years into the future and, and, and kind of figuring out that, you know, you're up against that means you should be thinking a little bit more long term. So 
for, from me, from the, the conversations I have, it's mainly around planning longer term more than anything else. Mm-mm-mm. And Daniel, you kind of mentioned a little bit in your answer there. I thought it was really interesting, this this matrix that you, that you talked about for businesses to try and understand where they sit, to try and help them not just do that long-term planning that Najee's talking about there, because I mean, I can imagine if you notice you're in one of the uh, the two diagonal quadrants that um, you'll probably want to try and improve things over time to make your hiring better. Um, but just getting that understanding of whether or not you can build in-house or you should build in-house teams or whether you consider outsourcing. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about that, the difference um, in those two sort of strategies in terms of um, team building and skill building. Um, and and really the question is are there solutions and offerings that are just kind of off the shelf or is it more about having to work and build an external team as it were Um, more and more of the um the uh the frictions that exist in in our organizations are being automated through off-the-shelf technologies and um uh, and in, in some respects commoditized uh but for companies to differentiate themselves from from their competitors, they 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 need to to go deeper, and to go deeper usually means having deep domain expertise coupled with people who are very good at extracting insights, who are very good at um, helping organisations make decisions. That 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 really is is the battleground, and and and, and I think it depends on the the, the flavour of frictions that currently exist in your organisation, which will determine. What type of teams you build, um, but we've seen hybrid models work very, very well, uh, particularly for organisations. As I said, they're deficient in that matrix because you do lose talent, and um, and if you can maintain a relationship with an organisation, like I said earlier, that can keep continuity, that can make sure that that, that knowledge doesn't get le- left, then that that's a good model that we've seen work with other organisations. Uh, but also um, around support and maintaining these these technologies, you, you can get lots of very expensive people together to uh, move the needle, to build technology, to build innovations. But then there's a whole question about how you maintain them, how you support them. Do you move it to low-cost jurisdictions? And very often, organizations have not factored that cost in, so we'll be relying on a third-party vendor to do that. So we're seeing augmented models work really well. That And you know, it keeps the team engaged. It brings in new and fresh ideas. It allows for, for knowledge transfer and maintainability. You mentioned earlier, Daniel. You know, you kind of you get in what you um, you get out what you put in, and I can imagine that's probably the same with team building as well. Although you also see a lot of uh, the various different kind of suppliers and companies that build AI technologies, talking a lot about um, you know being able to plug things in and make things easy. And I can imagine, particularly for organisations that perhaps are smaller or don't have the money to invest in building teams over time, making these you know really long term investments for something they don't even. Know is necessarily going to be right for them that makes it a little bit more tricky so i wonder if you could go in a little bit more in terms of this um solutions and offerings point um you know is there such a thing as out of the box ai or is that is that marketing speak for some solutions <laughs> yeah there, there, there really isn't um there's, there's there's a lot of good tools out there that can like I say surface insights and and, and whatnot but um it's machine learning is still very much an art 
you still very much need people to engage deeply with the data. Uh, and when we talk about decision making as well, um, the, 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 again, we don't know of any out of box, box solutions. You need to understand all of the different constraints, what the, the organization is trying to achieve. Um, there are some very strong algorithms, actually, but the algorithm part is, is probably solved. A lot of my technology friends will, 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 will kill me for saying that, but um, but the uh, the uh, algorithms are very, very strong. The, the challenge is how do we get these algorithms to market as fast as possible? In fact, the, the, the definition of, of innovation that I like, which actually came from Steve Jobs, he said, innovation is creativity that ships. And the most important word in that definition is the word that. That is getting ideas to market as fast as possible. And, and that, that's what we're trying to solve for. Um, and so those ideas are going to come from talent. Um, and, uh, and, and really, that's where the battleground is going to be. It's how do we unlock the creative capacity of talent to use these technologies to drive more innovations in business. Let's talk a little bit back about the consumer because um, we focus a lot on, on the business here. Um, it's clear from the research as well that you've talked about that customer experience is a major focus for both business and consumers uh, when it comes to thinking about AI. So either delivering great experiences um, or just making things easier um, and so on and so forth. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how you feel AI helps deliver that best possible experience. You know, What is it that it actually does that can... Um, I guess, meet those expectations or meet those desires that consumers are talking about and businesses are hoping for in terms of their uh, delivery. Naji, let's start with you. I think one thing that, that we've, like we've been talking about throughout all of this is you know, how varied AI can be and the problems that it can solve. And I think if we look at the entire customer journey, you know, utilizing AI, for example, for better recommendations to customers so ensuring that they can find the right product they need more quickly, because one thing that we've, we've noticed is that consumers want to get from inspiration to purchase as fast as possible. So that's one area. You've also got you know, the other end of the customer journey where it's about delivery. So making sure that things like the times that you're offering people are actually accurate. You know, you're not, you know, if you say it needs to be delivered between, you know, six and seven, well, I hope it arrives between six or seven because, you know, something might be happening on those, those times. So being able to, to give customers those kinds of insights, I think is really important. So we've got to think not just about, you know, um, how AI can be used for something just like recommendation, but there's also the logistical side as well. Daniel, from your perspective, I mean, you've got your sort of your three different flavors of AI and your favorite one, of course, um, around being adaptive. But what does that look like in practice when it comes to customer experience for you? We've um, we've spent a huge amount of time helping solve um, supply chain problems, uh, improve efficiencies for, for I say, companies like Tesco and um, and making sure that when you go to the Tesco website and you request those slots that, the, that, that those groceries are delivered at the this, this same time. But, but the, the promise of AI um, goes beyond um, just fulfilling um, the, the customer as a faster, faster, better, better cheaper. It, 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 does, it does allow you to create um, a connected supply chain. It does allow you to make sure that you understand your customers better and, and can predict whether you're going to be able to fulfill that customer's uh, the, the, the customer promise and be able to then optimize your infrastructure to make sure you are fulfilling as many customers as, 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 as possible. But it does allow us now to take our understanding of, of customers to a, to a whole different level. Um, the uh, a, a big fan of a philosopher called Bertrand Russell, and uh, 
he used to say that when you eat an apricot, it tastes sweet and nice. But if you understand the epistemology of an apricot, if you understand how hard it is to cultivate all this kind of stuff, when you eat an apricot, it tastes so much sweeter. Now, if Tesco knew that if it gave you that information about the apricots that you just bought, that you would have a, a better customer experience, then then you'd probably be more, a more loyal customer. And then AI is going to unlock all of these new ways that we can engage with customers to enrich their experience. Incredible. So let's now talk a little bit about practical advice. I mean, you've both given um, already quite a lot of pointers and a lot of ideas around how businesses should be approaching, uh, improving their understanding, thinking about skills and so on and so forth. But let's sort of bring it back and and thinking about organizations that are starting to consider AI for their business um, and are, are frankly just wanting some nice, practical, sensible first steps to take. We'd love to hear from both of you on what you would advise. Daniel, I'll hear from you first. Yeah, as I said, we're seeing organizations embrace and adopt data lakes, putting analytics layers on top of it. I'm very skeptical, if I'm honest, about the success of that approach. I'm a big advocate of starting out with the problems and, and then and then turning them into frictions, understanding what the right technologies are. So so we will go into organizations and say, let's help you understand what your what frictions exist. We've got lots of experience in alleviating those frictions for other organizations that we can bring to uh, start to see the real value. And then and then over time create this connected supply chain, this digital twin um, that will just take your organization onto a whole new level. But I think it starts out by identifying those frictions um, and, and, and then and then alleviating them using these technologies. Um, that's uh, And I guess the other thing as well is that this concept of adaptation, we're also seeing a shift from more traditional hierarchical decision-making to um, more agile ways of working. And I would be encouraging any organization to start to embrace agile ways of working because, again, that's going to empower their employees and it's going to allow them to adapt more quickly to a changing world. So one is a technological um, aspect, right technologies applying to the right frictions, and the second one is an organizational change, which is enabled also by technology. Naji, we'd love to hear some some advice uh, from you as well in terms of some of these practical, sensible first steps to take, or if those are the same as Daniel, at least some of the, the things that you think are really important for businesses to consider at the beginning of the journey. I am going to speak directly to those that have not implemented AI yet. So the 71% that have said they have not implemented it because um, of the current lack of knowledge or understanding that they may have in the technology, I would say, go out and talk to experts, go out and talk to people who are super passionate about the technology. And trust me, they will be more than happy to talk to you for hours (laughs) about the technology um, because they love it. And I think if you can learn more about it, um, you'll be able to understand better how it can impact your business and understand why it's so important that a business you need to start looking at that technology. Brilliant. I love that. One final question for you to kind of bring it back to the report. Obviously, a lot of stats and statistics in here and a lot of which you could argue might feel a little bit um you know, negative or, oh, it still feels like there's a, a lack of adoption or a lack of understanding or so on and so forth, but plenty to be um, perhaps excited by or to feel optimistic about. And I wonder, um, you know, based off of the research and of course, both of your experience working in the spaces that you're in, um, what's your sort of sense of hope or optimism in this space? What are you, what are you feeling as a good, um, I guess, area of opportunity or area of hope that you're focused on? Uh, right now, Daniel. Well, I, I can't remember who said it, but the future's here. It's not just—it's just not evenly distributed. And we've seen 
organizations embrace these technologies and have a material impact on their on their business i guess my my hope is that is that is that ai um, allows businesses to orchestrate and optimize and continue to adapt uh, and improve the efficiencies of getting those goods to customers and delighting them. And my my future, future hope is that we are able to remove so much friction from the creation of goods that they become abundant, that everybody is born into a world where they can access nutrition and healthcare and education and all of the things that we currently have to work for to pay for, but it all becomes free. That's the future that I want to create, and I think it can be enabled through AI. Love it, Daniel. Naji. I'm uh, inherently optimistic about new technologies most of the time. Um, but I think one thing that I'm quite happy with is the fact that, you know, every day that passes, things get a little better. Um, and we are still at the very early stage of a lot of these technologies, especially um, when it comes to consumers actually having access to it. So I think with every day that goes past, you know, every little bit is going to become better if that's, you know, a, a small recommendation or, you know, something arriving more on time or um, education becoming better. I think all of these things are going to slowly just become better and better and better. Um, but again, I'm just, you know, eternally optimistic. So. <laughs> I suppose you have to be working in this space and, and keeping wanting to, to get businesses to be um, taking on some of these things, which can sometimes be difficult to convince uh, to convince them. So Naji, Daniel, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show and helping do that convincing here um, in this discussion, but also giving us a little bit of context to this report, um, which hopefully will be really useful for a lot of people to get those insights um, and hopefully have a bit more understanding um, in terms of what is going to be the next step in terms of getting AI into their business. So thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Wonderman Thompson technology podcast. You can follow us at One Thompson Tech on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit us at wondermanthompson.com. Make sure you tune into next month's episode of The Experience Makers, where we'll continue the experience conversation, helping businesses thrive in today's experience economy. 